All right, everybody, come on in. Time for church. Come and find a seat. It's good to have you tonight. You can come swinging your shirt down the aisle if you want to, I guess. That's all right. It's good to have you tonight. Well, happy Wednesday. It's always good to be in church with you on a Wednesday night. I got a couple uh, quick announcements for you, okay? First off, we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer, and uh, from January 7th to the 27th. What that means is that the church is open uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 6 to 7 p.m. You can come here and pray, and we have a time together during that time. Saturday mornings, it's open from 8 to 9 in the morning for people to come to pray. And of course, on service days, the church, uh, the church is open an hour before church starts, so you can come and pray also. And by the way, during the 21 days of prayer, our Wednesday night services will look just a little bit different. So uh, tonight we'll have some worship, we will have a message, but we are going to close out with a time of prayer tonight. So just so you're aware of that. So that's what's happening tonight. Uh, second announcement is next steps. So what next steps is, is an introduction to our church. So if you've been coming here and you're saying, you know what, I'd like to make this church my home church, what next steps does is just kind of give you more of the background information about the church, a little bit of the history of the church, uh, how we function. It tells you about small groups, how to get involved in dream teams if you're interested in that. But if, if you're wanting uh, make a next step of commitment to the church. This is my home church. Next Steps is for you. Uh, our next session of Next Steps happens Wednesday night, February 7th during church. So one month from now, uh, instead of being up here for the service, you'll go downstairs. My wife actually will take care of Next Steps and she'll walk you through what that's all about. It's just information about the church and an opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit. So uh, there is a sign-up sheet back at the back table for Next Steps. So if you're interested in that, please sign up. We'll contact you and then get together on February the 7th. All right? Well, how about we stand up on our feet? I'm excited because I always come to church with anticipation. How many of you believe that every time we get together, God is able to do whatever he wants to do? Amen? And I believe that tonight. So let's worship him together, okay?
Amen. Give everybody a chance to get their uh, kids checked in the kids' church, also the youth down for youth hangout tonight. Give everybody an opportunity to get back before we take up tithe and offering. It's good to have you live streamers. Whoever's watching online, hopefully we had a couple services. We were kind of down on our live stream, so hopefully it's back and working tonight. It's amazing what you do when you unplug stuff, plug it back in, turn things off and turn it back on. Things just work again. So I don't know. It's just sometimes it's all it takes. So hopefully, hopefully that fixed the problem. But it's good to have you tonight. Um, again, I'm, I am in a lot of expectation in anticipation whenever we get together. Because I believe when we come together, God's with us. His presence is with us. And it's not that we don't live in his presence outside of here, but there's something about the unity of the church when it comes together in worship, uh, in the word, in our fellowship. And, you know, often when people get disconnected from the church, it, it doesn't always, but sometimes it, it, it hinders growth, accountability, you know, thing, things that um, are part of what it means to follow Jesus. It's not like you hear people say, well, you can't be saved, you don't go to church. That's not true. Your salvation is not because of church, but church is here for you. It's a help. It's something to be a part of because there are certain aspects of the Christian faith you won't grow in unless you're part of a body of believers, right? And, and there's certain challenges or certain uh, uh, ways that, again, we function as a body together, you know? Uh, and I don't know about you. I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning with some of my body parts gone. I want it all there. Not only all there, I want it all getting along. I want my body parts offended at each other, right? That's not good. Imagine if my eyes were fighting, you know, and then one of them, I'm out of here. You know, it's no good, right? But together, functioning, why? Because uh, we are representatives of Jesus. We are the body of Christ in this world. So it's for our benefit and equipping, but it's for the benefit of those who see us. Because if the church is functioning like it should, somebody should be able to come in and know they would never say it like this because they don't use this kind of terminology. They would say, oh, that's the kingdom of God. I see the kingdom of God functioning there because we're learning how to love one another. But when you love one another, you have to learn how to forgive one another because whenever people get together, you're gonna have to end up forgiving somebody, right? And, and, and all these different things that we do because we gather together, church is important, amen? All right, that's not my message. I don't know why I was saying that, but I just did. Anyways, tithe and offering. If you have something to give tonight, uh, you can prep that. There's offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. If not, uh, Al right there, the ushers will help you out. Just wave your hand around. Um, and we appreciate your giving. And uh, I was just looking at, at some things coming up that, that we're uh, getting involved in with the church, just some purchases and things. And, and I never worry about the finances because you guys are, are faithful in your giving, and I appreciate that. Amen. So all the things that you see in the church and everything we do outside of church is funded by your giving. All right, so let me, let me pray tonight. If you have something, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you. Continue our worship in our giving. For you are faithful and you are good and, and, and uh, you're always in front of us with provision. You're always making ways where there seems to be no way. And we thank you for being such a good father, a good God. 
And we honor you with our giving today. We honor you. And respond in faithfulness because of your faithfulness. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. So if you do have something, you can bring it. If not, uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Thanks, Samara. Acts chapter 3. And again, 21 days of prayer uh, for the next uh, two more weeks uh, after this past Sunday. Uh, or I'm sorry, coming Sunday. We have a couple more weeks left. Again, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday from 6 to 7, the church is open. Saturday morning, 8 to 9. Then certainly we have services on Wednesday and Sunday. I would encourage you to come out a couple times in some of those evenings and join in prayer, okay? Um, I think it's important that we as a church that we pray. It's not just it's important, it's vital. And, and something we say around here that's so important, we are a pray-first church, in response to everything in life, what is the first thing you should always do? Pray. Because you, you, can, you can get wisdom with some things, and you can get help with some things, and that's wonderful and good. But the best place to get wisdom, the best place to get help, the best place to get direction is from God. So why would you not pray? And pray first. Amen? So because we're a Pray First Church, we always start off uh, the new year with 21 days of prayer, uh, fasting, by the way. Um, if, if you don't know what that's about, next Wednesday, I'm going to teach on fasting a little bit um, and what that involves. But we're talking about prayer on Wednesday night. So what's going to happen tonight, I'm going to teach on prayer for a few minutes. And then the reason we shorten up worship just a little bit is because we want to close out our night tonight in prayer. Okay, and I'll talk more about that when we get to that spot. But uh, spending Wednesday nights teaching about prayer because I want you to understand not only what prayer is, but why we pray and the impact of prayer. So last week, a uh, 30-second recap. Remember, prayer is primarily about relationship with the Father. Okay? That's the first step of prayer. One of the reasons that we don't catch the heart of God is because we're not in relationship with him in such a way that you catch his heart. One of the primary ways you catch the heart of God is in prayer. So in other words, prayer is not about the list of your wants, although it's okay to ask. Prayer is primarily about relationship. That's what salvation is. Salvation is reconciled relationship with the Father. And one of the avenues that he's given us to be in relation with him is prayer. So in other words, we take time. The Bible says that Jesus often would withdraw to lonely places to what? To pray. He said an example. In other words, in our busyness of life, and we're all very busy, you got to slow down and take time. It's not about quantity. It's not, again, it's not, we're not in the spiritual Olympics. Put it that way. We're not in competition with each other. Who prays the most? Well, that must be the most spiritual person. Well, that's not true. It's not about quantity. It's not as if God's only happy when you hit a certain benchmark in time. That's not true. But it is about taking time. It is about having a, and I always use the word rhythm, a healthy rhythm of life is spending time with God. Consistent, right? So it's about relationship. But I want to talk to you about the authority of prayer tonight. So Acts chapter 3 and verse number 6. And we're just going to read uh, just a, a verse right here to, to bring out a point. And we know that uh, the story, you can come back later and catch up the rest of the story, but, but uh, Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. Uh, they came across a, a beggar, and uh, 
they asked, the beggar asked for something of, of Peter and John. But Peter's response to this, he said, I have no silver and gold, or if you grew up like I did, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And, and, and walking and leaping, he stood and began to, uh, to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. So Peter offered what he had, and that was what? The name of Jesus. When we pray, we pray in whose name? In the name of Jesus. The question is, why do we do that? Why, why do we end our prayers almost always in the name of Jesus? And there, there's some different reasons. I just want to highlight those quickly for you. The, the first reason we pray in the name of Jesus is because he's the one that brings authority. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You don't have authority. He gives authority. He delegates authority. It's in his name. You don't have authority. And, and by the way, I said this last week. Let me say this again. I grew up in Pentecostal churches, and prayer could get very loud. Nothing wrong with that. You want to be loud and strip the paint off the walls, go for it. But authority doesn't come because you're loud. Right? Authority doesn't come because you're just filled with holy anger. Well, that's nothing wrong with having some holy anger at times. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not why prayer works. It works because of the name of Jesus. See, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. I've been around all sorts of, of, of kinds of modes of operation of how people pray. Some, some are loud, some are quiet, some lay down, some walk. It, whatever mode works for you, it's okay, but don't think your prayers are answered because of your mode. It is done because of the name of Jesus. So 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22 says, and, he, and pick it up mid-verse, and he has gone into heaven at the right hand of God with what? All angels, authorities, and powers being subjected to him. So he is the one that brings authority because everything has been subjected to him. Which is why Peter could pray in the name of Jesus and saw this man healed. Right? Which is why there is nothing in this world, seen or unseen, that is not subjected to Jesus. So when we pray the name of Jesus, we are invoking his authority in our prayer. And that's why it's important. We pray in the name of Jesus. Now, we also know that Jesus is the way to the Father. John chapter 14, verse number 6, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So Jesus is, is our avenue. He's our mediator between the Father, right, and us. He's the go-between. And it's by his authority, then the, the power of God is invoked in our prayer. So look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy 2, verse number 5, just to read about, um, well, that would help if I'm in 1 Timothy, not 2 Thessalonians. There we go. All right. It says, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, 
and that is the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. So, in other words, uh, it is through him that even our prayers will be heard in a certain way. We know that uh, Hebrews chapter 7, if you want to go there, in verse 25, Hebrews 7, 25, it says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, that's Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So it's another aspect of how Jesus is a mediator. So the name of Jesus invokes the authority of Jesus for all things have been subjected to him and understanding that he is the way, the avenue for our prayers to be answered. So we pray in the name of Jesus. Now, remember, things were defeated at the cross in finality. And as we're waiting for the return of Jesus, we're sort of playing out the string until he returns again. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit in salvation. We're made new. But now we live in the authority of Jesus, and we invoke the authority of Jesus in our prayer. Okay? That's the first thing. So we pray in the name of Jesus because of the authority that his name brings. Here's the second thing. We pray in the name of Jesus because what we're saying is we're going to be in alignment with his will. We don't pray in the name of Lori. Well, first of all, because Lori has no authority that way, but it's not Lori's kingdom come and Lori's will be done is the Father's kingdom come and will be done. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're invoking what I'm praying is in alignment with the will of God. In other words, prayer needs to in some way, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a couple weeks, your prayer in some way needs to fall into our understanding of the heart of God. So, I'm, I just say this, maybe, maybe make an example here. Remember, the first avenue of prayer is, is relational. I learn the heart of God. I'm shaped and formed in that, right? If I turn around and pray... I'm going to just keep using Lori because he's right in front of me. And let's say I don't like Lori. It's not true. And I pray something silly like, Lord, I want you to come down in the name of Jesus and just smash her. Right? See, I'm not really praying in Jesus' name in actuality because that's not in alignment with the will of the Father. People pray all sorts of stuff in the name of Jesus that are not connected to the heart of God. True? So when I pray in the name of Jesus, I am basically saying, and I am, I'm working, I'm seeking, I want to do this into the will of the Father, right? As a matter of fact, um, Colossians, chapter, uh, Colossians chapter number three, let's go there. I want to show you something. Colossians chapter three. And verse number 17. And it says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Well, what does that mean? That's basically saying, I want everything I do, the things that I say and the things that I do, be in alignment 
with the heart of God. You see? And the more you know the heart of God, the more you, you, you can pray wrong. You know that? And you can never pray better than the state of your heart. When I was a sinner and came to Jesus, all I had was save me. That was the state of my heart. But after I grow and learn, then my prayers start to change a little bit. When I'm not so selfish, I just don't always pray about me and stuff for me. I end up learning praying for other people because we're supposed to love our neighbors or so. See, as your heart grows, so your prayers are shaped and formed. So, so when you start to love your neighbor as yourself, you're not praying against your neighbors. You're praying for your neighbors. That's why I'm not praying God smash Lori, right? You don't pray better than your heart. If your heart's prideful, your prayer will be prideful. Remember the, remember the, the parable of the, of the, of the Pharisee and, and the one that wouldn't even go up and look up to God? And, and the Pharisee went in there and prayed, Lord, I, look at me and all the gifts I give, and I, I do all the right stuff. I tithe, and I do all this different stuff. And, and there was the sinner who wouldn't even look up. Lord, 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 I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, who went justified? Not the one that prayed pridefully, not the one that came to God pridefully, but the one that wouldn't even look up. You, you never get better in your heart. So as we grow, our prayers are shaped because our heart is being shaped by the will of God. So everything we do, we do it in the name of Jesus. Why? Well, that's the way we should be living. And the last thing, number three, is that when you pray in the name of Jesus, it actually glorifies and honors him because you are respecting him as Lord. Again, not by my willpower, not by my wisdom, not by my way, but in the name of Jesus, that's another way of glorifying and honoring him, right? So we pray in the name of Jesus, we invoke his authority. We, we're basically saying, I'm doing this in the alignment of your will, which is always rooted where, by the way? In the scriptures, right? You should learn to pray the scriptures. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. And then it glorifies and honors him. Because once again, you are submitting to him in the name of Jesus, not mine, right? Now, I want to talk to you just for a a few moments about then spiritual warfare. And I think we'll do a a series on Wednesdays about this sometime down the road. Um, This is something that that crops up in certain circles of of the church. And it comes out of a, a passage like Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? Principalities, powers, and so forth. So we understand, we understand that for everything that is seen, there is something that's not seen. There is an unseen realm. And we know this just by the fact, not only the testimony of the scriptures, but when the kingdom of God came in Jesus... One of the signs of the kingdom was he ran into demon-possessed people now and them and dealt with it, right? And he cast them out. So there's an unseen realm, and we are, as Christians, whether or not you're realizing it, engaging it in some manner. But the good news is we have the authority in the name of Jesus, because as First Peter 3, where we started, everything is in subjection to him, under his feet, right? So the spirit realm that we do interact with, it can be seen in, in some different ways. So there's a general way we interact with it that's simply because of the, the sin 
and evil in the world around us. It's just there. But on another level, we also understand the Bible says that the devil does have schemes and plans, right? And those could be big picture, and they, they also could be personal. So the devil does have schemes. So at times we can deal with things personally, struggles and, and, and maybe attacks of some sort. And there is such thing as demon possession and, and oppression, right? Now, I think when you start talking about like that, we bake that too much because there's not a devil or a spirit behind everything. So uh, uh, a couple months ago, my son Ryan called me. I was, I was about ready to leave for work, and he called me and said, I got a flat tire on the side of the road. I did not say, look, if you'll just cast the devil out of your car, that spirit of a flat tire will leave, and you'd go to work. It blew out the side. I went and helped him change the tire because his, his spare was flat too, of course. So anyways, that's another story. So it's not a devil behind everything. And I think we overbake it because that's what we do. Well, it's a spirit of, and then we're trying to name spirits. Well, that happens in Scripture, but it doesn't happen a lot. You don't have to overbake it because you got the name of Jesus. Right? And when you have the authority in the name of Jesus, everything is subjected to him, whether or not you understand it. And I think things are a bit beyond our understanding when it comes to these things. Okay? So discernment is big. It's big. So if you read the Gospels, there are times that Jesus would interact with somebody for physical healing. And there are, there are a couple of times that he actually dealt with a spirit. And there was a whole bunch of times it was just a physical ailment. And there was one time, remember, uh, they were like, well, who sinned? Who sinned that, the, the, I think it was the blind boy, ended up this way? He said, nobody sinned. Let's not bring that mess into it. Again, let's not overbake this. He's blind. Let's, let's just pray. And Jesus healed him. All right? So, in other words, I'm not running around uh, trying to look for devils everywhere. But if there's one there and we see it in discernment, then we deal with it. And we don't have to overbake it because we have authority in the name of Jesus. So pray that way. Do you believe Jesus has authority? Do you believe when you pray in his name, you bring authority? Don't make this harder than it is. Don't make it too hard. We, we overcomplicate. In other words, I say overbake, we overcomplicate it. So in discernment, you, you can discern that there's something more there. You don't got to go try to figure it out. Pray in the name of Jesus. It's kind of, kind of like the broad-spectrum antibiotic. It just deals with it all. You know what I'm talking about? But if something specific comes, great. What do you do? You still pray in the name of Jesus. The formula doesn't change. Right? If there's not a spirit involved, what do you do? You pray in the name of Jesus. Listen, the formula never changes. Don't make it too hard. So in, in, in years of pastoring, have I ever, have I ever come across a demon-possessed person? Yes. 
and we pray in the name of Jesus. Have we ever had somebody come in that, that, that we, you can just see it's, they're oppressed of the enemy? Yes, and we pray in the name of Jesus. But every time we pray for somebody that there's not discernment or something like that there, you know what we do? We pray in the name of Jesus. Because the authority deals with all of it. Right? And then we get too worried about trying to get so detailed about it. Just, just in the name of Jesus, pray. And the authority of Jesus comes in the authority that it has. Everything's in subjection to him. Whether it is a spirit, demonic spirit, or whether it is just the result of a fallen world. Right? Because when Peter and John encountered that beggar, he didn't say, okay, let's, let's gather around and let's get a prayer circle here so we can discern what's happening. He's lame. In the name of Jesus, the physical realm is subjected to him. He's the creator. Didn't make it too hard. He just said, in the name of Jesus, I'll give it to you. Rise and walk. And the guy popped up and, and, and went about his way, walking and leaping and praising God. Right? When he encountered a, a demon spirit, it was the demon spirits often that responded to him first. Hey, whoa. Don't, don't, don't deal with me just yet. Well, that didn't happen, and he'd deal with them, right? So discernment is big. Come back, basic formula, simple. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we go. You realize that that authority is with you. The authority is with you, right? Amen? The authority is with you. Because Jesus never leaves you nor forsakes you. So the authority that he has is with you. You pray in the name of Jesus. You're not hoping that he hears and, and does something. He's with you. So we walk in confidence. Walk in confidence. That he hears, he answers, he responds, and he does everything that we cannot do. Again, Peter didn't say, in the name of Peter the apostle, right? In the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Peter said, there is actually nothing I can give you. Nothing. I got nothing. I don't even have money. But I do have Jesus. He's with me. And there's authority in that name. So we pray. Amen? So, I encourage you that... that as you pray, that A, you believe that you're heard. B, that you believe that God is responding. And whether you're praying for situations of your own life, wonderful, you're praying for other people, double wonderful, right? It all comes with this understanding that God is able to do anything. That's why we pray. That's why when you see the sick, pray. That's why we see somebody struggling with, with relational things, pray. That's why when you see somebody that is struggling financially, pray. Because, it, it, again, I'm just, Lori, you're just here. If Lori was struggling financially, I can do what I can to help her. But eventually what I give her is not going to be there in a week, a couple days. So we pray in the name of Jesus because all things are in submission to him that God makes a way financially for her. 
Right? Does that make sense? So we always bring him in. Even, you do what you can do, but, but you bring him in because he's the one that finishes the deal and goes above and beyond. All right? So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to close tonight. So it's 7.44, so for 16 minutes, you see on the wall there's post-it notes. And there's some up here, by the way, if you didn't get a chance to do this. Those are prayer requests from people in our church. They wrote something on post-it note. They didn't put their names on it. They stuck it on the wall. So for the next, maybe 15 by the time I'm done, we'll spend time praying over the prayer requests on the wall. Also, Al, hold up those blue papers in the back. There are also blue papers that just sort of have a prayer guide of, of our 21 days. So you can actually just go to that and pray for that. Or you may just know of a whole bunch of stuff you need to pray for for the next 15 minutes. All right? So uh, we want to take time during these 21 days to pray corporately together on these Wednesdays and these last few moments. Because, again, pray first. We're going to lead into this year with our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen? We're just going to put a little background music on. Uh, at 8 o'clock, I'm going to come up and close it up. Let's spend time in prayer, and uh, let, let's intercede for one another, and let's uh, see what God can do among us because we are a praying church. You can get up and walk around. You, you can do whatever you want to do, by the way.